Last week, we were learning about um, the vision God has for his kingdom through the, four, uh, through the Gospels. The first thing we learned was that Jesus welcomes and forgives sinners, right? And we talked about the fact that one of the values we have here at Kingdom Life Church is the belief that everyone can change, right? And then secondly, we said radical change is essential to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus expects people to actually stop sinning, right? To actually stop in your tracks, change direction, do a 180 and start going the other way. God demands a radical change. And we also talked about Jesus calling his disciples to costly obedience. It's going to cost you something to follow Jesus, right? And lastly, we talked about the fact that Jesus expects his disciples to forgive just as they have been forgiven. That, in a nutshell, is the gospel. You take those four principles and apply them on an everyday basis. You're embodying the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Steve, can you do me a favor? On mic seven, could you just reduce me a tiny bit? Hello? I might be okay, just a tiny bit. I know when I get passionate, I can begin to do cartwheels. Um, but today, I want to talk about four truths about the kingdom that Jesus said, okay? And we'll tie this in a nice bowl and, and, and get out of here. But um, number one, we have been talking about the fact that Jesus puts priority on his kingdom. In fact, Jesus said, that is the reason, awesome, thank you, that is the reason I have come, right? He said, I have come to preach the message of the, of the gospel of the kingdom of God, and that's the reason I have come, all right? He did not come so that we can build buildings and churches and have steeples and you know, meet together and have worship bands and all that kind of stuff. Jesus came so that he could establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. All right? And we have been talking about the fact that the kingdom of God is dominion. God's dominion, God's rule, God's royal power or God's royal rule. And I like what somebody said. He says the kingdom of God is God's supreme powerful rule in the earth and in people's lives. God's supreme, powerful rule in people's lives. So I want to talk about four truths that Jesus has said about the kingdom, and then we'll go from there. The first truth is this. The kingdom of God is within you. Okay? The kingdom of God is within you. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17. Should be a Bible in uh, the seat in front of you or you got your app. Get on there. In verse 20, this is what Jesus said. Or this is what the Bible says. All right. It says, when he was asked by the Pharisees, Luke 17 verse 20, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Other versions says the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God has arrived. But I find that fascinating, right? Jesus says, My kingdom, 
My supreme power and reign is within you. And he was talking to an audience that had, when they heard the word kingdom, they thought about armies, right? They thought about politicians. They thought about systems that would be put in place to establish a kingdom. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not like that. It is not something that you can point to and say, hey, look at that army. Hey, look at that government system. Or look at that, look at that. No, Jesus said, no, my kingdom is within you. It is not observed with the naked eye. My supreme power resides in people. People are the containers of my kingdom. People are the containers of my power, right? That's why Jesus could say confidently to his disciples and say, hey, listen, if you believe in me and I live in you, you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why? Because my supreme power and authority is within you. Amen? Amen? You already possess the kingdom of God if you're a Jesus follower. It is within you. You're a walking powerhouse. You are a walking powerhouse. There is power within you to change and transform lives around you. Change situations around you. It resides in you. Okay? That is one of the first truths that Jesus gives about the kingdom. And he gives a myriad of them. But I just want us to focus on four. So that is the first one. The second one is found in Matthew chapter number 16, verse 17 to 19. If you want to turn there with me. Matthew chapter number 16. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 16 verse 17 to 19. This is what the Bible says. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Verse 19. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The second truth about the kingdom is that the kingdom has keys. What do keys do? Open. Open right? Keys give you access. Right? Keys give you access to certain rooms or certain buildings. Jesus says, my kingdom has keys. And here's the key. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven I want you to think about that for a second you have the power to move heaven you have the power to move heaven I told you a few weeks ago was I talking to you guys or was it the worship team when I talked about the day I stopped rain was it you guys? Anyway, when I was young, I was coming from school. And I had just become 
a young Jesus follower, and I was in my sixth grade, and I had heard the stories of the Bible all my life. But now I began to understand that I have a personal relationship with God, and there were certain things I could do. And I took it literally. So as I was coming out of my classroom, I had about a three to four mile walk to get home. The clouds were dark, and it was about to rain. And I remember the story I heard about Joshua stopping the sun so that a battle could be fought. So I walked out of my classroom and I looked at the clouds and I said, Rain, you will not come down until I get home. That's all I said. And I began to walk home. I did not run. I walked for three to four miles until I got home. The, time, the moment I reached the gate of my house, bam, rain came down. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh my gosh, I stopped the rain. All right? And I said, okay, this is cool. This is cool. The second time I stopped the rain was, and this is flimsy, but I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, "Mm, maybe the first time was a fluke. Let me try this. All right? So we were playing soccer. This wasn't even anything dire, okay? We were playing soccer, and I was enjoying the game. I was a goalie that day, and I'm like, yeah, we're playing soccer. And the clouds got dark, and it was about to start raining. And I looked at the clouds, and I said, rain? You're not going to come down until we finish playing the game. And I kept on playing. We finished the game, and boom, rain came down. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Now you got to understand, when I was, kids take things literally, okay? And I looked, I, I read, Jesus said, I had the power. I got the power. And so I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I did. I can tell you so many cool stories of things that I've just saw and seen in the Bible and I've done it. And then, oh my God, I'm like, oh my gosh, that happened. And I'm like, OMG, you know? But name it. I praying, praying for my dad and praying for him and pain moving from one part of the body to another until he gets out of his body. That was like, whoa. Whoa. He says, oh, Campbell, the pain is, oh, is on my abdomen. I put my hands there and the pain leave. He says, oh, the pain has moved to my knees. I put my hands on his knees and I pray, you pain leave. It gets to his feet and I put my hands there and I say, pain leave. And it leaves. Amen. And he's like, Whew, I feel good. Listen, whatever you forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth is permitted in heaven. It is a key of the kingdom. And most of us don't live this way. And I'm going to show you why using the last two keys. Are you ready? All righty. Open to the book of John, chapter number three. John, chapter number three. And... I'm trying to get there. All right. And we're going to read this story, and I'm going to tell you why most of us don't experience the power of the kingdom of God in our lives. Two last keys, right? Verse 1 says this. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees were people that had 
chosen to separate themselves for religious, for religious reasons. Okay, they were deeply uh, religious people that studied the law of God. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. That is interesting. He comes in the cover of night because he doesn't want to be seen with this controversial figure we call Jesus. And he says to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. That is interesting. He says, everybody knows. I'm a Pharisee. Even the Pharisees know. They might oppose you in public, but they know that you have been sent from God to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. How do people know that God is with you? When God performs miraculous things in your life, people get to understand that you, the God you serve is real. All right, verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Explain, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an, an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Sounds like a logical question, doesn't it? And then he says this, verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Humans are, can, produce, can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't see where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Everybody get it? Jesus says two things that relate to the kingdom of God. And when I learned this a few years ago, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Number one, in verse 3, he says this. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? So, to see here means to perceive, to recognize, to have an awareness. Unless you have been born of God or born again, you cannot perceive, recognize, and have an awareness of the kingdom of God. Everything that happens in the kingdom of God to you will be foolishness because you have not undergone a spiritual rebirth. Amen. So you see other people living in the reality of the kingdom of God, right? But you do not actually experience it. Why? Because you have not yet been regenerated or reborn. Okay. Spiritual rebirth begins when you surrender your life to Jesus. When you say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Take it. Forgive me of my sin. Take over everything. And you surrender your life to him. You pass on from death to life. From spiritual death, you come now into spiritual life. And Jesus says, unless this has happened, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody follow? So, therefore, to see the kingdom of God, we have an awareness of the, of the perception of the powerful, supreme rule of God. 
we agree with it. When we are born again, we, yeah, we see, we are aware. But Jesus said something interesting in verse 5. He said this, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they have been born of water and of the Spirit. You can see the kingdom. And many of us see, but most of us do not enter the kingdom. To enter means to arise and come into. It means to live in the reality of the kingdom that you have perceived. You experience the kingdom. Many of us have heard of healing, but we have not experienced it at the hands of Jesus. We perceive, we see, because we are born again, we believe it. But most of us don't move into the reality of the kingdom of God. Most of us are standing in front of a door with glass walls, right? We can see on the inside, but most of us do not enter the kingdom. My question is, have you seen and have you entered? Uh, okay, okay. Um, I'm convinced that most of us, most people who call themselves followers of Jesus are people that perceive the kingdom but never enter. And I want us to change that because here's how you enter the kingdom. Anybody want to know? Amen. All right. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts. And we're going to close here. Too. I'll be short today. I won't be long. I won't, I won't belabor the point. I want to end, I, I want to end with this. I'm sorry. Acts chapter number 14. Verse 21. Here's what the Bible says. After preaching the good news in Debir and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas re returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch, of uh, Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Here's how you enter the kingdom of God. You slay dragons and you take names. You slay dragons and you take names. You see, hardships are internal and external pressures that you face. Most of us complain about the things that we go through, not realizing that God is trying to qualify you for the next level of spiritual authority. Paul says, that's why, you know, that's why... 
People like James can say, count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and tribulations. Why? Knowing that the trying of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, God is doing something in the midst of your trouble. God is interested in you not just seeing the kingdom of God. He wants you to live in the reality of the kingdom of God. But the only way you get there is by slaying dragons and taking names. Different level, higher level, higher devils. That's how it works. Amen. We graduate in the kingdom of God. Paul says we move from faith to faith, grace to grace. There's a, there's a scripture I've been, I've been chewing on in Judges, and I, and I want us to close with that. I'm feeling the black man coming on. Mm. Whoa, glory. Judges chapter number 3 says this. You don't have to turn there. Just believe me. Judges chapter number 3, verse 1 to 2. It says this. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to the generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. There are certain devils God has left in your life for one specific reason, to teach you how to fight. The difference between the World War II generation and the generations now is that that generation knew how to fight. They had seen a great depression. They knew what it meant for women for the first time in the history of this nation to go to the factory floors and begin to work. Those men and women knew what it meant to fight. But here came the problem. The American dream. White picket fence. Father, mother, children playing. Mom stays at home. Right? And what happened? Subsequent generations forgot what it meant to work hard. Work to the bone. They did not know how to fight. And today in the, in the world of social media, we don't know how to fight. We're talking about millennials and millennials want everything to go their way. Right? Burger King, have it your way. Right? There are devils that God has left in your life. The thorns in your flesh, they are there to help you enter the kingdom of God. You cannot say you believe in casting out devils when you have never cast one out. You cannot say you believe in the God who restores relationships when you have never gone through that. You cannot say you believe in the God of the Bible who parts the Red Seas, stops the sun in its tracks. If you've never gone through that, the devils in your life are there to help you know how to fight. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, we need to start taking names. We need to start slaying dragons. 
count it all joy thank you jesus that this thing that i'm going through right now is an opportunity for me to learn how to live like a believer amen, amen. i want to thank you god for sending this person into my life to dance on my last nerve because i wouldn't know what it means to have patience unless i dealt with individuals like this God, I need to qualify to go to the next level. Take names. Slay dragons. Everybody's patient until they have to wait in line for five hours. Ten minutes. Two. God, give me patience and I want it now. Right? Everybody can talk a good game until they're on the field. Amen. You want to talk about overcoming depression? Talk to men and women who have actually fought that battle and won. Amen. They will tell you there is victory. There is a breakthrough, but the only way to break through is to go through. There ain't no such thing as a drive-through breakthrough in the kingdom of God. Microwave breakthroughs don't work. They do not exist. Right? In Romans 8 verse 16, the Bible says this to us, right? It says, basically, if we want to share in the glory of Christ... We must be willing to suffer with Christ. The way to glory is through a bloody gauntlet. You are going to fight to the bone. But when you get to the other side, you will know that you have been battle tested and you are ready to live in the reality of the kingdom of God. You are no longer just seeing the kingdom of God. You have now entered the kingdom of God. The reason you, you have been going through what you've been going through all these years is that you haven't gotten the lesson yet. The day you get it, that's the day you begin to live in victory. Some of us are delaying our breakthrough because we refuse to learn the lessons God is trying to teach us. It was a three-day journey to enter the promised land. Three days. Three. They spent 40 years going around the desert because they refused to believe God. And in those 40 years, all those unbelieving people died. When they all died except two, Joshua and Caleb, God says now they are ready to enter the promised land. Don't be the person that God waits for to die. I don't want to be on that list. God is saying, I want to do great and mighty things in that church, but I'm just waiting for Campbell to die. <laughs> I don't, I, listen, I don't want to be there. Oh, I can do great. They have no idea. I have promised them to do great and mighty things. They haven't seen anything yet, but I'm just waiting for Campbell to die. When Campbell dies, then the next generation, uh-uh, I'm saying, Jesus, 
If I know I mess up, I'm a jerk at times, but Jesus, please do not pass me by. Do whatever you need to do to make me ready to enter the kingdom. Teach my hands to fight. I'm, I'm serious. Don't be that person God is waiting on to die. I want to heal that family, but that person, first of all, has to die. Because as long as they are alive, they will hold everybody back. Are you that person? Are you? Shoot. Woo! Let's stand up to our feet. On that note... I'm telling you, read Judges 3, verse 1. That is amazing. God left certain nations to teach the children of Israel how to fight. And I don't know what battles you have been going through for the last few years. But seriously, ask God, am I learning the lessons that I need to learn in order to graduate? Because you see, in the kingdom of God, he doesn't just let you move on to the next grade. He doesn't do that. Oh, yeah, you got, you got a 75 on that. We don't care. You're just moving on next. No, God is waiting for you to master. He doesn't care how long it takes because he knows that the most dangerous person in the world is a successful man who has no character. But in order to get that character, baby, you got to go through some pressure. God's got to get all that junk out of you. And when he gets it out of you, then he can say, you have mastered this level. Higher, higher level, higher devil. Let's do this. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you. That God, you want us to have and enjoy life. And I want to thank you, God, for all the pressures, internal and external, that you have placed in our lives. The tormenting of our minds so that we can learn what it means to have rest in you. And Jesus, whatever is causing us to hold on to these battles, I pray, Jesus, that you help us to surrender and learn to fight your way. We're asking, Jesus, that we not only see the kingdom, but that, God, we enter your kingdom. That, God, we may possess your glory even as we suffer with you, Jesus. We are asking, Lord, that we may not have a victim mentality, but a, a mentality of victors. And I pray, Jesus, for each and every family, each and every individual here, that, God, you will teach our hands to war, that, God, you will teach us to fight, so that, God, we may be an embodiment of your kingdom in our communities, in our families, in this nation, and across the globe. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it, amen, amen. and amen.